Hello, and welcome to the podcast series, Creditors Corner Legal Talk, presented by Smith Devnum Attorneys at Law, where we explore a range of legal topics impacting businesses and private individuals. So be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. My name is Melissa Tulis Smith, and I'm an attorney in the firm's creditors' rights section. I will be your moderator today. Today's topic is dealing with debt management companies. And we'll talk about what debt management companies, DMCs for short, are and the risks and challenges they pose from the point of view of a collection attorney. Before we begin, I want to note the information provided in this podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, any and all information shared is for general informational purposes only. Listeners should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter. With that out of the way, let's turn our attention to this week's topic. With us today, we have two guests. We have Rachel Rogers and Christina McAlpin-Taylor. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Hello, hello. Both are attorneys in our firm's uh, retail collections section. So with that out of the way, let's go ahead and kick off our discussion. First off, can one of you briefly explain what a debt management company or DMC is and how it works? Yeah, I'd be happy to talk about that for a minute. And Rachel, if I forget anything you want to add on, feel free to do so. Um, A debt management company is a company that often deals with consumers and debtors when they have multiple debts that are delinquent, and these debt management companies help them to do just that, manage their debt. Um, Often, we have consumers who have not one, two, or three debts, but sometimes as many as five different debts. And I believe these debt management companies explain to them that they'll work with them to try to get these debts resolved with the creditors either before suit or during suit, and we're going to talk in a few minutes about what that means as a collections attorney, but that's pretty much what a debt management company is. They help the consumer to manage their debts. So why are DMCs attractive options for debtors? Good question. I'm not sure. (laughs) Rachel, what do you think? I think like Christina said, it helps them manage it. And if they're one of those consumers that has about five different debts out there, this allows them to make one payment a month to one company instead of trying to deal with keeping up with monthly payments to five different creditors at a time. Um, So that makes it a little bit easier for them to manage. And I also think that in the perspective, from the perspective of a debtor, they think that these companies will um, take some of that burden and stress off of them. And so that's why it's attractive to them. Yeah, Rachel, I agree with everything you said. I think that they um, advertise themselves as being able to help them maybe make better settlements that they wouldn't be able to do on their own. Um, And a lot of times, like we said, these consumers have multiple debts. And so it probably feels like an easy way. Rachel's point about making one payment is really valid. It probably feels helpful that they're like, okay, I can pay $1,000 a month to this one company and they're going to take care of everything rather than having to reach out to three or four or potentially five different creditors. So I think you're exactly right. In your experiences, can DMCs be helpful to debtors? 
I think so. They can be at times. I mean, we have some debt consolidation companies. That's another term we use for debt management companies um, that, you know, we have good, friendly, professional relationships with. So from time to time, before suit's been filed, um, if these debt management companies call us and want to work at a settlement, sometimes they're better able to explain to the consumer, the debtor, a payment plan, and maybe to help them be more reliable in paying back um, that debt. So from, from time to time, they can be helpful. So let's talk about when a DMC does not successfully resolve a debt before a lawsuit is filed by the creditor. What is the DMC's role once that account is in active litigation? You know, I haven't had as much experience with the DMCs in active litigation, but I do know that they do, they can play a role in active litigation if they have um, attorneys that are licensed in North Carolina, which is also something that we'll talk about um, during this episode. Yeah, what Rachel just said is most important. Really, the debt management company has no role once the lawsuit's been filed unless they, in fact, have an attorney who is licensed in the state where the lawsuit has been filed. And that gets a little bit tricky because a lot of these debt management companies are national debt management companies. So they handle cases anywhere from North Carolina to Virginia to New York to California, potentially all 50 states. And they don't always have a licensed attorney who's actually helping. And that certainly makes me nervous as a plaintiff's attorney to think, did this debt management company promise them that they would help in court or help them to respond to pleadings? And it puts us in a bit of an awkward position. Um, and so that's something we'll go into more detail about. But your question about once lawsuit has been filed, it's really important to check that that debt consolidation company or that debt management company has a licensed attorney um, in the state where the suit has been filed. So what if the debt management company does not have an attorney licensed in that state, um, but wants to try to play a role once the lawsuit is filed? What can the collection attorney do? Yeah, that's really something we we really don't like dealing with. And I feel bad because, of course, our we have the same end goal, which is to help the consumer resolve these accounts. But once we have filed a lawsuit, there's really not a role that that debt management company can play. And I certainly don't want to help anybody with the unauthorized practice of law. So it's important that you verify, like I said before, that that debt management company actually has a licensed attorney in the state where the lawsuit was filed. Because what we find happening a lot is these debt management companies have some attorney that's licensed maybe in California, for example, and they've tried to help resolve the case. For whatever reason, the case isn't resolved. So we file a lawsuit on behalf of our client. And now that licensed California attorney will call or one of their staff members will call and it puts us in an awkward position because I'm like, I understand your license, but you're not licensed in North Carolina. I really can't help you with this. Are you going to, they're certainly not going to file a pleading on behalf of the defendant because they're not licensed to file a pleading. So they're just a third party at that point. Um, so you have to work through those and that, that can be awkward, but I feel like we have an obligation to make sure we're not helping with the unauthorized practice of law. And that's often what I tell them. I'm sorry, unless you have somebody licensed in North Carolina, I really have to treat you as a third party. So I understand the concern for the collection attorney is not assisting in the unauthorized practice of law. Can one of you define what practicing law is and maybe give some example of what is or is not practicing law? Yeah, um, for sure. Practicing law, there's a couple of definitions that are in the North Carolina statutes. Um, it's performing any legal services for another person, firm, or corporation with or without compensation 
um, like Christina mentioned, preparing court documents, any sort of pleadings, assisting in legal work, or even simply advising another person, firm, or corporation about their legal rights. Yeah, I think that, sorry, that real quickly, the layperson would probably say, and I agree with it, like practicing law is just that once a lawsuit's been filed, anything related to it. And the problem that we see most often is we have a quick hearing coming up on behalf of our plaintiff, and this consumer thinks that they have this debt management company that's going to help them. And in fact, they don't have a licensed North Carolina attorney, so they can't go to court and argue on behalf of the defendant. And that is important. That would be practicing law to go before a judge and present yourself as an attorney when, in fact, you're not licensed in that state to practice law. And that is what happens a lot with those consumers. They show up to the hearings and their understanding is that the debt consolidation company is helping them and representing them. So it puts them in a bad spot because they don't have anyone there to advocate for them. Yeah, and we always feel really bad about that because you get there and that consumer shows up and they, they'll sometimes even say that, oh, I'm waiting on my attorney. And we're like, well, who's your attorney? And they list somebody. I'm like, oh, I don't think they're licensed in North Carolina. And they're like, oh, I didn't know that. And that can be really awkward, but we're just transparent with the judge. And we usually tell the judge, you know, we'll tell the judge, hey, Mr. Smith or whoever the consumer is thought that they're represented. If they need to have this matter continued one time so that they can seek North Carolina counsel or try to work something else out, we're, of course, accommodating to that because we're empathetic to the situation. So can you speak to some of the risks to the creditor or the collection attorney if they do negotiate with a, a non-attorney or an attorney that's not licensed in that state? Well, there's a couple of different risks. And because we are collection attorneys and we're dealing with um, debt that is owed, the FDCPA might apply. Um, and we don't want to violate the FDCPA by speaking to a third party that we don't have authorization to speak with. This debt management company becomes like a third party if they're not a licensed attorney in the state where the suit was filed. So that's our biggest concern is I don't want to violate the FDCPA. Another concern that we don't have complete clear guidance on, but we're starting to see a little bit more of it, and Rachel, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but is related to what we keep saying, the unauthorized practice of law. If we help this person out, there is potential that we are being unethical or helping somebody that we know is not licensed in the state to practice law. And that that's tough, but that's just the truth. And I certainly care a lot about my law license. Um, but again, I'm empathetic to these consumers. So it's a it's a gray line that we have to be careful, but we're just transparent with the consumer and explaining, hey, unfortunately, there's not an attorney here to represent you. Um, so you're a pro se litigant, or you have to give us authorization to speak to this third party, which they often will do. But again, that debt management company could not represent them in court. So let's say um, you're working with a DMC and they say, don't worry, we've got a North Carolina licensed attorney. His name is Joe Smith, but you're going to work with us. I'm a non-attorney. I'm a paralegal or a legal assistant. And I'm going to help negotiate. But don't worry, Joe Smith, North Carolina licensed attorney is is supervising me. Is that OK? What are the rules surrounding that situation? I think in those situations, it's important to. Um, think about what the subject matter of the correspondence and communication is. Of course, you know, staff members can um, exchange communications regarding certain things, but if it's anything that's getting near the definition of a practice of law, then it has to be within that definition of the North Carolina license attorney. Um, 
And so even though they they say they have a Joe Smith, that Joe Smith has to be the one doing um, the practice of law in North Carolina, like we stated before. Yeah, and that does get tricky because I've had um, different discussions with these debt management companies. What I'll often do is if they say Joe Smith is the attorney who's working with our debt management company, he's licensed in North Carolina, I'll do a quick check um, with the bar to see that they are, in fact, an active licensed North Carolina attorney. If they are, I'll typically call or send an email to that attorney and just say, hey, are you associated or working for or working with this debt management company? And they'll often say, oh, yeah, I am. I forgot about that because I don't know what type of arrangement they work out with these debt management companies. But once they give me that confirmation that they do, I'll then ask them, like, hey, are you supervising whoever it may be, Melissa Smith, to work on this case? And if they're like, oh, yeah, we are, I might be a little bit more comfortable than speaking with that staff member because we do need to consider it like we do often, you know, sometimes I can't take a call. So I might ask my paralegal to return the call, or I have another staff member who's reaching out to help resolve the case. I'm supervising those staff members. So that's okay. Um, so if you can feel, com get yourself comfortable with the position that this is a licensed North Carolina attorney and they are supervising this staff, then it probably is okay to speak with some of the other staff members. That's a less conservative approach, but it's certainly something you can consider. The, the most conservative approach would just be, I'm sorry, I'm only dealing with a North Carolina licensed attorney. And that, assert, of course, is okay too, but you will probably get some pushback from that debt management company. So in your experience, have you ever encountered situations where you felt like the, the staff you were corresponding with was not actually properly supervised by the licensed attorney or any red flags of that situation? Yes, certainly that happens more often than not, unfortunately. Um, and like I said, I don't know, I've not ever had the chance to have anybody be transparent with me about how they get somebody in North Carolina, for example, to agree to be the attorney representing these consumers, but not really knowing anything about the case. And I guess that's an issue that they'll have to deal with when the bar grievance comes, um, but it certainly feels awkward. So that has come up from time to time. Yeah, I think some of the staff members sometimes get some pushback um, with these companies that are hesitant to give a name of a North Carolina attorney when they are asked. So that's somewhat of a red flag that there might not be proper supervision. Certainly, I feel like if they have a licensed North Carolina attorney, they should be proud and quick to tell you who that is. So what would you say the best way is to handle a situation where you feel like a non-attorney is engaging in unauthorized practice of law? I think being transparent and saying just that, like, hey, you're making me nervous. My license is important to me. I can't help you with unauthorized practice of law. You really got to get me a name of the North Carolina attorney who's handling this case. Would you say there's any risk to the to the debtor defendant when they're working with one of these debt management companies while it's an active litigation? The risk is, and it's not really a risk to them, but I think it, we feel bad. We're empathetic to the situation that they thought that they had hired somebody who was an attorney. And in fact, it turns out they're not. They're just a third party that has authorization to settle the debt. Um, so I, I certainly am empathetic to that and feel bad. And like we said, when we get to court and that's brought up in front of a judge, we're quick to let the judge know that. So they're aware of the situation. And you'll probably get that to in a few minutes, but there's been a lot more pushback on situations like that where the judges and other people are actually filing grievances with the bar, which is probably the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So it sounds like debt management companies, what they are is okay. But the problem is that a lot of consumers think that they're signing up for something that they're not getting. They think they're getting a licensed attorney that can defend them in court. And that's not what it is a lot of the time, not all of the time, but a lot of the time. So have any debt management companies or similar uh, companies gotten themselves into trouble in North Carolina by engaging in the unauthorized practice of law? Yes, I think there have been some. And I, I think, and Rachel, maybe you're more familiar than me, but there was at least one case where potentially they did say they had a North Carolina licensed attorney. And there was, in fact, a true North Carolina licensed attorney, but that North Carolina licensed attorney was not engaged at all in the cases and did not know what was going on legally or non-legally related to the cases. So I believe a grievance was filed against um, that entity and maybe even that individual attorney has had, I don't know if they got their bar suspended or if there was any type of repercussions, but there has been some attention drawn to these debt management companies. And some of them, I don't think any longer are in business as the debt management company at least as they were titled before. Yeah, I think that there's been some unraveling and you can see in some recent calendar calls, there's, you know, defendants that are scrambling because they have no idea where their attorney went because I think they have there have been some licenses that have been revoked. Um, and so at the end of the day, it really is unfortunate for the the consumer because the all the um, hardship is falling on them when these attorneys get caught up in the debt management company unauthorized practice of law. So like Christina said, we're always empathetic to that and make sure to point it out to the judge if we know that they've been attempting to work with one of the debt co debt collection companies. Yeah, most, uh, Rachel or Melissa, do either of you recall, I think that maybe there was even, um, I, I think there were damages awarded that had to be paid back to some of the consumers related to this. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think you're correct. I thought yeah. so. So hopefully they'll get some restitution from these um, th this one particular debt management company that really wasn't following the rules properly. Because um, like we said, we're empathetic to that situation. That's terrible if these consumers are trying to do the right thing and are paying to this debt management company and trying to get this resolved. And instead of getting things resolved, they're in a worse position than they were before. So we're certainly empathetic to that and want to work with those consumers. Yeah, and piggybacking backing off of what you you mentioned earlier, I think this particular entity got into trouble um, because the unauthorized practice of law is uh, multifaceted. There's both uh, non-attorneys engaging in the practice of law, and then there's also situations where an attorney, a legitimate North Carolina attorney's name and bar number is is put on several documents as purportedly being the supervising attorney for that case. And it's just not happening in actuality that that attorney is or even has the capacity to be involved in and to supervise that many people in that many cases. And then it turns into, unfortunately, consumers not getting what they think they're getting. And like Rachel said, showing up in court confused, thinking their attorney is going to be there and not realizing that, that they're not coming which of course puts us in an awkward situation because we're not not trying to hide the ball. And we do have the same goal of resolving the case, uh, which is just made difficult but sometimes by this third party's involvement being a barrier to us and the consumer. And I'll add one issue I've noticed has been that when a debt management company gets involved, they typically, along with that power of attorney that they send over, they also send over a cease and desist which 
blocks our ability to have any direct contact with the consumer. Um, can either of you speak to any difficulties that that arrangement has has created? Yeah, that certainly is another obstacle. A lot of times the consumers don't even know that this debt management company has put that cease and desist on their file. And so they will start reaching out and we can't be back in touch with them because of that. And that makes it very difficult, obviously, to settle the case or to communicate with the consumer. So that is frustrating too. And it seems that happens often. It seems like you said, most of the time that comes together. Here's the cease and desist and we're the debt management company that's going to be representing them. And that, that can be very frustrating. So any other final thoughts, insights, horror stories uh, about working with uh, debt management companies? No, rather than a horror story, I do want to point out that there are some debt management companies that do a really good job. You know, they call us as soon as the consumer gets the demand letter long before suits filed, and they immediately will acknowledge that like, hey, I want to get this resolved quickly before you have to move forward with the lawsuit. What can we do to get this resolved? Those are the good stories where we get these resolved because we certainly don't want to have to file a lawsuit and we would prefer to work that out. So please know that there are some debt management companies that do the right thing. And they also do the right thing when they'll say, you know what, we're not going to be able to settle this case. I'm not licensed in the state. We'll sign a consent judgment. We'll get this resolved, get that to the consumer, wrap this up. Maybe at a later date, we can call you back and try to work this out. So sometimes that works out well. The most frustrating part is what you mentioned a few minutes ago, which is we get a cease and desist. We can't get in touch with the debt management company. They're not really a licensed attorney. There's a hearing coming up. It's very frustrating. Or the consumer shows up at the hearing, wants to talk to their debt management company. They can't get them on the phone. Um, that can be really frustrating. But there are times when it works out okay, too. So you just have to be careful and, of course, follow the ethical rules. And if you have questions, you can certainly reach out to the bar and they're happy to sometimes help with that. Um, and you certainly can reach out to any of us to talk through that as well. Yeah, and I would I would echo that in my experience that it, they're not all bad, they're not all good. I can think of several consumer attorneys that work with debt management companies who zealously advocate for their clients and do a great job of it. Um, they're very good at not taking on too many clients that they can't can't all represent each of them to the best of their abilities. So it's certainly not a blanket rule, but we also know that the North Carolina bar has has cracked down on some of these companies in the past couple of years as, as being something that is not beneficial to their purported clients. So it wants to always be aware of who we're talking to and what their status is with regard to the account and what their status is with regard to being an attorney or a non-attorney that's being supervised by an attorney. Any yeah. other final thoughts? I was just going to say, just like your mama and dad probably told you, when in doubt, don't. <laughs> if you're hesitant, <laughs> take a deep breath, think about it, reach out to a mentor. That's true about always practicing law. That's true about everyday life. And, you know, if you're in doubt, take a minute to pause. Your gut is probably right. You asked about red flags before. If you're like, eh, this feels a little funny. Let me check on this you know, certainly step back and take a look from the outside or reach out to a colleague or a mentor who can help you out or reach out to the bar exam. They're great about, or excuse me, the bar. They're great at helping out to answer questions like this. Well, I want to thank Christina and Rachel for participating today and let me pick their brains about debt management companies. And I also want to thank the audience for tuning in today. I'm going to invite listeners who may have any questions on this topic or other topics related to this topic to email or contact us. I'm going to go ahead and give my email address and phone number should any listener want to reach out. My email address is mtulis at smithdebnumlaw.com. And my direct line is 919-250-2103. 
I'll turn it over to Rachel and Christina to get their contact information as well. Alrighty, my email address is rrogers, R-O-G-E-R-S at smithdevnamlaw.com. And my direct number is 919-250-2155. Thank you, Rachel. And again, my name is Christina Taylor. My email address is long. It's my maiden name, just like everybody else on this call. Um, C. McAlpin at smithdevnamlaw.com. And that's C-M-C. A-L-P is a Peter, I-N, at smithdevnamlaw.com. My direct dial is 919-250-2131. Let y'all know to check out some of our other episodes on related topics. I think we've had an interesting one on student loans lately. So lots of relevant and timely topics to check out on this podcast. And lastly, please subscribe. Thank you all for listening and stay well.